You're listening to the North Parkway Podcast, weekly talks designed to help you take the next step in your spiritual journey. You can learn more about our church at northparkway.org. And if these talks are helpful to you, consider using the link in the description to give. Your financial support helps us continue to make great content. All right, well, that's enough intro. Let's get to today's talk. hear a name and think, what were mom and dad thinking on that one? There are some weird ones out there. Let me share a few that I found. This guy is Bizao Dudu Zippity Bop Bop Bop. His parents named him Jeff, but he wanted a name more fitting his personality. This is Tim Price. His name was actually just Tim Price, but he added nine letter P's to the beginning of it just to mess with telemarketers because he was tired of them calling his house. Or how about these two guys? On the left, you'll see Emperor Spider-Man, Gandalf, Wolverine, Skywalker, Optimus Prime, Goku, Sonic, Xavier, Ryu, Cloud, Superman, He-Man, Batman, Thrash. And on the right is his buddy, Baron Venom, Balrog, Sabretooth, Vader, Megatron, Vegeta, Robotnik, Magneto, Bison, Sephiroth, Lex Luthor, Skeletor, Joker, Grind. And of course, who could forget this adorable little guy? B-R-F-X-X-C-C-X-X-M-N-P-C-C-C-L-L-L-M-M-N-P-R-X-V-C-L-M-N-C-K-S-S-Q-L-B-B-1-1-1-1-6. Or as his parents pronounce it, Albin. Sometimes you get your name from mom or dad. Sometimes you change it yourself. But sometimes, sometimes life brings that change on you. Sometimes you walk through a season of such intense pain or suffering or hardship that it doesn't just leave a scar on the outside. It changes you all the way down to the core, to your very identity. And it starts to take over who you are as a person. That's the kind of pain I want to talk to you about today. Yay, whiplash, right from comedy to pain. (laughs) Okay, how are we going to open this up? Now, I want to talk to you about someone with a very normal name who went through some really tough stuff because the things that she went through, the, the specifics may be different than they are for you, but the way that she responded to pain and the presence of hurtful situations in her life is something that a lot of us can relate to. The lady I'm talking about lived several thousand years ago in Israel. Uh, her name was Naomi. And her story is recorded in uh, the book of the Bible called Ruth. I'm going to start from the very beginning. I'm going to read a lengthy passage here. You can follow along on the screens. Or if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, you can open up the favorite translation and follow however you would like. Bible records this. In the days when the judges ruled Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The, name's name, the man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. When they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women, but about ten years later, both of them died. This left Naomi alone, without her two sons or her husband. 
Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And then listen to what she says in verse 13. She said, things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, this is her hometown, she's been gone for a long time. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi, they asked? Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? Whoo! This lady had a rough, rough go of it. She had a hard span of years. Losing your husband, just so you guys understand, culturally, it's different than it is today. Any culture across any time Losing someone that you love is really hard. It shakes your world. But in those days, men were the ones who worked and provided financially. If you're a woman and you suddenly become a widow, you can't go out and get a job. You're dependent on your sons to now provide for you. And when those sons are also gone, not only did you lose the people you love, you lost any chance, any hope of having a decent life. You were, you were just going to wonder and, and ask extended family or strangers for money just enough to live on this lady had it bad and she felt it and it it got so deep inside of her that it changed the way that she wanted people to even address her sometimes pain in your life is so strong sometimes the cut is so deep it shakes you to the very core and that's what I want to look at in Naomi's life uh, it's a dark place that she was in and I want to show you how she got there, okay? Because, you, you know, you don't just go straight from having a bad day to don't even call me by my name anymore. It's God's fault. He's turned against me and he's the enemy. That, there's a process there, and I want to show you how she got there. It started for her like maybe pain starts for you, and you can write this down in your notes. Pain isolates you. It isolates you. When you're hurt, we have a tendency to push people away. In verse 8, okay, she's traveling back home, and halfway there, she turns to her daughters-in-law, and she's like, you know what? Just leave me. Just go back home. Just go away. And, you know, it's, why? Why would you do that? Hey, if you're Naomi, why push the people away? Don't you need all the help you can get? Haven't they been good to you? From everything we see in Scripture, these two women loved her. They were good to her. They, okay, I understand. <laughs> some of you, let's just be honest. Some of you are like, 
you know, I would never raise my hand, but I can think of some daughters-in-law that I would be like, go away, right? But not these, okay? You'd never say that really though, right? You love your daughters-in-law or your mother-in-law. Uh, it, it wasn't about that, okay? Why did she push them away? Here, here's why. Because she believed that they could not relate to her pain. You don't understand. She said, life has been more bitter. You're young and you can go get another husband. You can still have children. It's bad for you, but it's not like it is for me. No one can understand what I'm going through. And there's a tendency when life is really hard on you to look at it and say, no one else has walked in my shoes. No one else went to the school I did and have the kids say that about me like they did to me. No one else had the dad that I did who treated me wrong and nobody knew and everyone thought he was a good guy. No one else can relate to my pain. It isolates you. And you can also see in here, and I, you don't have to read between the lines really hard, okay? She says, you're still young, you can still get a husband. I can't, I'm gonna be a dead weight financially for the rest of my life you still have a chance for a decent life okay when you've been through pain that injures you you tend to say you know what the people who love me would really be better off without me I'm just Debbie Downer I'm gonna bring the whole party down I don't want to even go there because everyone's gonna be like cheer up Larry it's okay I don't want to be cheered up it's not okay they don't understand Pain isolates you. Here's what else it does. Write this down in your notes. Pain demands someone to blame. The more you hurt, the more you have a drive to figure out whose fault it is that you're hurt. And it doesn't always have to make sense. Sometimes there is someone to blame. Sometimes the pain in your life is because a person chose to do something to hurt you or chose to do something irresponsible that hurt you by accident. But sometimes there's not. You guys remember Hurricane Katrina, right? It's a, it's a natural disaster. No one said, hey, you know what would be cool? Let's send a hurricane right up there and blow up the dam. But the moment it's over, everyone's like, well, it's their fault because this, it's their fault because this, it's their fault because every time there's a natural disaster, an earthquake or a, a fire rolls through and we're like, whose fault is it? To, who do we need to blame in Hawaii for the, the fire? Fire, right? Sometimes there's not someone to blame. Sometimes there's six people in the van and you're rolling down at highway speed and suddenly you were accosted with a smell that you cannot escape and you're going too fast and it's too cold to roll down the window so you just have to take it like a man and you're like one of you which one was it somebody's not getting a happy meal today okay we all want somebody to blame here's, here's why here's why here's why okay because if it's somebody's fault then maybe it's preventable in the future. And we all want to believe there's at least a chance of control. There's a chance this won't happen to me again because if I believe that some people just have bad stuff happen to them and it can't be controlled, it just happens, then it might just happen to me or someone that I love. We want somebody to blame. And no matter what kind of pain that you go through, there's one person who at some point along the path, always tends to shoulder the majority of the blame. It's your fault. 
Because no matter what happens in your life, if you believe there is power in this hour when we're all gathered here to gear for you, Jesus, what a powerful name of Jesus, if you believe that, and then life takes a dump right on top of you, you're like, you could have stopped that. Sometimes, English translations of the Bible kind of soften the impact of some of the language that was used in the original context. The, the verbiage, without getting too deep into like original language stuff, the verbiage in verse 13 when, when Naomi says, the Lord himself has raised his fist against me, and in verse 21, the Almighty has sent tragedy upon me. The, the, the wording there, just a, a strict translation, would basically be, God has dealt with me in a wicked and evil way. God himself has become my enemy and he did wrong to me and I'm mad at him. Why would you get close to me? Obviously, I am cursed because God himself is, is inflicting these wounds on me. Talk about feeling resentful feeling bitterness and it wasn't because she was a terrible lady it was because the pain was so intense if you've ever had a pet in pain and you're trying to help them they don't realize you're trying to help and if you're in enough pain you lash out at the closest thing to you and that's what happened to Naomi and sometimes it's happened to you because pain it changes you it skews your perspective you can write that down in your notes pain it skews your perspective it changes the way you see not only the painful thing it changes the way you see everything until you start pushing away the people that love you and you start blaming the people that love you and eventually you can't see anything clearly even yourself watch this from the outside pain is a season or maybe it's just an add-on, it's an aspect of your life. It's not the whole picture, but that's not how it feels when you're the one enduring that pain. When you're the one going through a hardship that's so intense, it can swell up and just cover the whole screen. It becomes everything about you. Well, that's what we see in Naomi's life. Her pain was so great, she said to her friends, don't call me Naomi anymore. Don't even call me that. Call me Mara. And she relabeled herself. What her friends realized and she realized that maybe you didn't know is there's a meaning behind that name change. See, Naomi, in her language, it means pleasant. But Mara means bitter. And what she's saying is the way that I feel, the way that life has done this to me, what it has turned me into, that is who I am now. I am bitterness. If you ever had the kind of pain and hardship that changes how you think about yourself and who you are as a person? A lot of people have. For a lot of people, it's grief. Somebody that you love died and that changed you so deeply that that grief has now become the most important aspect of your personality and your identity. For some, it's stress or anxiety. For some people, it's addiction that they wrestle with and their identity is, I am an addict who happens to be called this or that. 
For some people, it's something physically that they struggle with. Maybe it's uh, something in their body that they don't like or something that just doesn't work right. For some, it's wrestling with the idea of their sexual orientation or their gender identity and the way that people look at them and treat them because of that. And they say, this is who I am now. In the end, it all boils down to the same fact. It changes who you are and it overwrites something beautiful that God put inside of you. So if that's happened to you, or if that is you, how do you get your name back? How do you get who you are deep down inside as a person back? Well, the good news is you can get it back. And it starts by allowing the people who love you to help you. So write that down in your notes. You, you need to allow the people who love you to help you. Because no matter who you are, no matter where you are in this world, there is somebody who cares. And when you're in pain, that feels like a lie. That feels like, well, yeah, that, no, other people. Other people have someone to care. The people, they're tired of hearing me talk about how bad life is. Okay, you want to know a secret? They probably are tired of hearing how bad your life is, but they still care. They still love you. And you still have value to share, and you are more valuable than the dead weight that you feel like you bring into that relationship, whatever it is. You need people around you. Proverbs 17, 17 says that a friend loves at all times. Okay? Not just when things are good, not being a fair weather fan. The friend loves when you're in your highs and when you're in your lows. And a brother, listen to this, is born for adversity. The, the value, the, the greatest benefit of your friendship with people, of, of that family that they love you even if they don't like you because you're blood, right? The value there is best seen when you are in pain, when you are struggling, when you are having a hard time, because those are the people who are still with you, who when you turn and you say, go away, just leave me alone, they say, no, I'm with you, I'm in this with you. Naomi tried to push everyone away, but Ruth refused to do it. She said, I love you, I'm going wherever you're going, and she finally relented. And you need that, because when you're in pain, and the pain gets so big, it just takes over how you see everything, your thoughts can become an echo chamber. And you keep thinking the same things, and you keep reinforcing those same mental pathways. Okay? Anybody have, like, crazy Uncle Carl that has, like, some wackadoo theories about things, and you're like, right? Don't ask Uncle Carl about, okay? Don't tell him about this in the news. Don't tell him that, because he'll go for 45 minutes, okay? And how does Uncle Carl get that way? It's because he thinks this thing, and he's got a couple of buddies, and they all think the exact same way, and they all just spin, 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 until it gets into crazy land. Consider this. When you're in pain and you feel like no one else can relate, maybe what you need the most is someone who can't relate because they're not stuck in that viewpoint that you are. And they can see from a different angle that your life is more than the pain that you're in right now. You are more than the physical infirmity that you have, that you are more than the mistakes that keep chasing you and haunting you from your past, that you're more than that. You need people. 
So allow the people who love you to help you. Here's what else. Write this down. Before, hang on, don't put that up yet. Hang on, hang on. Let me preface this, okay? I'm going to say something, and if you are presently in pain, or if you presently struggle with, God, I don't understand why you let this happen to me, at first blush, this is going to be offensive to you. Hear me out, okay? But I want to speak the truth. Put that up. You need to stop blaming God, and you need to start thanking him. You need to stop blaming God. You don't understand. God could have stopped this. God can do anything. Okay? Here's what I've seen from 40 years on the planet. Most of the time, he allows us to live and things happen that happen. There are very few times that he divinely steps in. Now, sometimes he does because he has his own plan and purpose. But this is not heaven. This is not the life where everything goes right. And sometimes that pain comes and when it does you have to continue to look at God and give him thanks instead of turning and blaming him and saying you've been wicked toward me I don't like you anymore okay listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 42 he says why must I wander around in grief oppressed by my enemies Send out your light and truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. And then in verse 4, it says something really neat. It says, there I will go to the altar of God. Okay, that was their way of saying church. There I will come to where I worship God, the source of all my joy. Now consider if you go through pain that shakes you to your core, that shakes what you believe about your friends, about your family, about God, and about yourself, and then you respond to that by cutting yourself off from the source of joy, how much deeper does that pit get? Because happiness can come from a lot of things. Happiness can come when you put the right guy in your fantasy lineup. Happiness comes when you get the check because they made a bank error in your favor. Happiness can come when that cute guy sends you a text and says, hey, do you want to hang out this weekend? Okay, happiness can come from a lot of places. But happiness can also dry up in an instant and leave you. Joy can come no matter what the circumstance is, but if you cut yourself off from the source of joy, you're really in a dark place. I understand, I understand. If you've been in a, a time of severe pain and the guy on the stage says, you just need to thank God, you're like, why would I ever thank God for this? Let me, let me define it. I, wouldn't, I would not ask you to thank God for an abusive dad. That should never have happened. I would never thank God that someone ran through that intersection and, and crashed into the car and now you walk with a physical problem every day because somebody had too many drinks and wouldn't call a cab. Never thank God for the bad in your life, but you need to thank God for the good that's still in your life. Listen, because when you do, it reminds you that there is some. Because the pain gets so big, it's all you can see. And there's good in every day if you can see it. And the best way to see the good is to look for it and thank God for those things because it reminds you that God has not suddenly become your enemy, even in hardship. 
I, I pray before bed, I pray with my boys every night. And almost every night, one of the things we pray is, God, help us tomorrow to, to appreciate the good that the day has ahead of us. Help us to see that. Why? Because sometimes when you're having a bad day, you can't see anything good. And I, and I would never ask you to thank God for the pain, but I would ask you to thank God for the good. Because there's power when you come back to that perspective. If he is the source of joy, you won't dig out of this thing unless you can find a way to reconnect with him. And the good news is he's still there, he's still good, and the line is open to you. Watch this. Pain skews your perspective. It bends the shape of things, and that's the only viewpoint that you have. If you want to see accurately, write this down, you need to reframe your life from God's perspective. You need to reframe things. You need to take a fresh look at it. You need to get outside of your own viewpoint and see things from his perspective because things change when you see the way that he talks about who you are. See, this is what God says about his people. He says, do not be afraid because I have reclaimed you. I have called you by name you're mine. When you go through the sea, I am with you. Since you're precious to me, you're honored and I love you. Do not be afraid because I'm with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. See, pain can lay a claim to your identity but only the one who made you gets the ultimate naming rights. And he has something different to say about who you are deep down on the inside. You can write this down in your notes. Naomi named herself based on her past, but God names based on your future. And sometimes he changes names too. He looked at a guy named Abram whose name meant father and yet he had no children. And he said, your name is going to be Abraham because I'm gonna bless you and you're gonna become the father of many nations. He looked at a man named Simon and said, you've been called Simon, but I say your name is now Peter. Your identity now is rock and you are the foundation that I'm gonna build my church on. God has something different to say about who you are than what the season of pain has labeled you as. If you've come to him for forgiveness, if you have been saved, God says that you are a brand new creation. He says that you're his son or daughter, you're a child of the king. He says that your life has meaning and purpose. There's intentionality and value in you existing on this planet and the things that he has for you to do. He says that you're more than a conqueror. You're a victor, you're a winner, because Christ is in you and with you and loves you. God has something better to say about who you are than what the pain says about who you are. There's a different name tag that's available to you, but which one you put on, that's up to you. Let me tell you the end of Naomi's story because it was a bad it was a bad moment in her life but it didn't it didn't end when her sons died 
she went back to her hometown and her daughter-in-law met this man named Boaz who happened to be a relative on her husband's side. And this man showed kindness to Ruth. And, and he said, hey, why don't you come over here and I'll help you guys have enough food. I'll take care of you. He ends up falling in love. They get married. And, and as it happens, the Bible records, you read the whole thing in Ruth. It's a quick, easy read. As it happens, the person who realizes in the moment, wait a minute, this is the blessing of God. He hasn't stopped being good. The person who realized that was See, she had the moment where she wanted to push everyone away, but she allowed the people who loved her to help her. And even in her pain, she was still aware enough to look up and say, my life has been bad, but I can see that God is still choosing to bless me, even in a bad season. And here's how that biblical account ends, Ruth chapter 4, verse 14 and on. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Her, her daughter-in-law, Ruth, gets pregnant, has a baby boy. Okay. And the women are excited for her. Verse 15, may he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Then Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. Every grandma in the house knows exactly what we're talking about here. Oh, kids are good, but nothing's like grandkids. Then the neighbor women said, now at last Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. Listen to this. this is, and he became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David who's the greatest king in the history of Israel. Now, David's an interesting guy. David also more than one time experienced the, the worst tragedy that I can think of, which is losing a child. And do you know what David did? Do you know how David responded when he lost his son? He mourned, he grieved, and then he got up and he washed his face and he praised the Lord. Why, 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 why did David do that? Here's why, because he grew up hearing stories of his great grandmother who had a terrible lot in life and thought that God had turned against her, but she didn't give up and she didn't quit and she still looked for his blessing and she realized even when things look terribly bleak, God is still with me. And he grew up hearing those stories. Listen, if you're, if you're tracking with this, you, you understand, Naomi was not physically related to baby Obed. He was not her blood. But he did grow up with her values. And those values were not the bitterness. They, they were not Mara who influenced him. It was Naomi, pleasant. You know what's neat? If you look through this, this whole account, okay, we, I read the ending to you, verses 14. What was her name in the, those last passages of the book? What did they call her? Naomi. What do the people in the town call her? Naomi. And 
This is important. What did the writer of Scripture, who wrote this down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what did the Bible call her? Naomi. Did you realize this? Never once, never once does the Bible write Mara as her name. Not one time. She says, don't call me Naomi anymore. That's not who I am. I am bitterness. I have become that. And God, who gets to have the final say, says, no, you're not. I called you this, and that is who you are. Listen, I know that life can be hard. I know that you may have walked into this room or turned on this video and you were in pain. I know that there may be that pain that still echoes in your bones and those things that you still wrestle with and say, I hear you, but I still don't understand why God let this happen. And I would never make light of your pain. But you need to understand something. Your pain does not change God's plan. It cannot. This is a woman that God had a strategy for in history. This was someone he wanted. He wanted the, the lineage of David is the lineage of Jesus. And she became childless. And God said, you are still going to have an influence on generations to come after you. You are still Naomi. You are still the person that I spoke over you. And no amount of pain can ever change that. Pain has already stolen enough from you. Don't let it take your identity too. Allow the people who love you to help you. Choose to look for God's blessing even in the middle of the hurt because it's there. It's still there. And when you come close to the source of your joy, you can see yourself from a healthier perspective. Hey, this is Pastor Chris again. Thanks for listening. If today's talk was helpful in your spiritual life, odds are there's someone you know who could benefit from it. Take a minute right now to share it with them. And if you live in the area, come try out a service in person because church is more fun with friends. See you next time.